This show is presented by the 323 Network. You can watch all your favorite 323 friends and shows on the 323 Network YouTube channel. Follow us on all social media platforms at 323read. And support us as we continue to grow at patreon.com slash 323read. That's 323-R-E-I-D. It's time for At The Movies with Mr. B. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. At The Movies with Mr. B, presented by the 323. Ah, yes, I'm your host, Reed Murphy, and joined as always with this lovely music is that hunk of hunk of burning byram over there travis byram the 323 movie expert hi mr b hey man good to be here very good to be here hey i mean we're hitting that season right like we're hitting we're getting into that peak no more strikes strikes are done officially 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 closed and you know, we're getting right back into movie season. The movies are out. They're, you know, actors can actually promote them now. We're not in that fear of so many of those December movies getting delayed now. Now yes. we do. It's the case for a lot of 2024 movies getting pushed back a little bit. And, you know, it's, we'll deal with it. We'll deal with it. It was worth the strikes were worth it. But for sure. so far from everything that you've seen like this year, like, what has come out and now that the delays are done right we're getting everything that we wanted except for like dune dune got pushed back and i'm curious to see if you, if you think that was still a good idea for them to do but i mean timothy chalamet he still had wonka come out that's coming out everything is out what do you expect to see in the oscar race now that we're you know officially in that season oh my god man it has been yeah i was biting my nails of course because one of the major precursors of award of oscar season is the screen actors guild awards yeah and i was like man are we gonna have that is this gonna be like that dumpster fire golden globe season where it was announced on twitter oh like god oh such a such a hot stinky mess i forgot that happened um, i know i try to repress it myself uh but i am so excited uh, to be getting into Oscar season. And um, so yesterday we had the National Board of Review Awards. And today we had the American Film Institute's top 10 uh, come on out. And uh, with the combination of those, um, I feel I feel ready to like give my tentative 10. Really? My tentative 10. Whoa. I feel like I could, I feel like I could give you that what I think will be nominated. Could I could I share that with the audience? Oh my god! I think we have to. We have to. Let's hear it. Okay. All right. So, first off, the absolute phenomenon. To nobody's surprise, it was a double feature in the summer. I think it's going to be they're going head to head again this year or this Oscar season. Barbie and Oppenheimer. Oh, excellent! I missed that sound. Uh, and then, uh, man, something that I, I hope everyone was able to see on screen before it came to Apple TV Plus, Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh, yes. Yes, got uh, picked up Best Film, Best Director, and Best Actress at the uh, National Board of Review, so always a really good precursor. 
Uh, this one hasn't been screening as much. Um, I think once it comes out, it is absolutely going to fill the slot of, uh, you know, crowd pleaser. But it's the Color Purple musical. I'm curious about that one. I have seen the musical uh, twice, and it is... At times, it sometimes feels like you're telling the story in Fast Forward. Uh, especially with these big bombastic songs. There's not a ton of room for like a lot of character exploring, but the cast is just absolutely stacked. Coleman Domingo, uh, Danielle Brooks in early Best Supporting Actress contention. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And then the one, I don't know how you feel about this one. I know nothing about Leonard Bernstein, except that he did Sound of, uh, excuse me, West Side Story. But uh, Maestro is going to be a big contender. Curious to hear thoughts on that one. Yeah, I I don't... I know there was the, the whole nosegate earlier and, uh, you know, the, the family of Leonard Bernstein was like, hey, chill, he had a big nose. It's all right that <laughs> Bradley Cooper's wearing this nose. Right. I don't feel any sort of way about it. To me, it feels very baity. There's already a narrative floating around now that it's like, okay, Bradley Cooper's been nominated nine times. Mm -hmm. It's like, that is kind of crazy. He's been <laughs> up nine times with his producing work as well. But um, yeah, I think this could, uh, I think this is a pretty easy win so far for him. Um, yeah, I am going in with hopes low hoping to be uh, surprised and then the a24 uh, summer indie that kind of came and went but critics have been giving it so much love past lives uh ha have yet to see that it i don't think it played anywhere near greensboro so i will have to rent that yeah i don't um, think it was anywhere near us too <laughs> probably not it's yeah it really i feel like all their marketing and campaigning is going into award season for that one uh, the German legal thriller that won the Palme d'Or, Anatomy of a Fall. Oh, I've heard a lot about that one. I've heard some great, great, great things about that. Uh, last year, um, oh, this is embarrassing and I am completely blanking, but, oh, Triangle of Sadness was the Palme d'Or winner. I made it into the Best Picture nominees last year, so it's, uh, Parasite, of course, won Palme d'Or. Um, Getting into the last few here, uh, the holdovers. Alexander Paul Giamatti. Payne. I know I texted you about that. I was I was raving about it. Uh, it might might end up in, a, in another list we might be doing a little later on down the line. Uh, probably the movie I am looking forward to the most is uh, the Emma Stone led Yorgos Lanthimos Poor Things. Wild looking movie. <laughs> looks bonkers i'm trying not to read too much about it i just want to be flabbergasted like i was when i saw the favorite five years ago and then this last one um it's it's a lot a lot of movies could fill this 10th slot um some possibilities right now that are on the bubble for me hovering in that 11th place may december which i just watched which twitter is just eating up um uh well worth it such a good movie uh may december um 
Napoleon, uh, which I've gotten kind of a mixed bag about, but you know, never count out Ridley Scott. Can't you can't count out a Ridley Scott historical epic. Yeah. Never want to count him out. But this may be probably of all of these the most wishful thinking on my part, but it did sneak a spot into the AFI top 10 today. So with big crossed fingers, I'm going to say Across the Spider-Verse gets that 10th slot. Yeah. Hey, Marvel fans. Yeah. I, man, it was, I don't know. Whenever I watch those movies, I just (laughs) feel so lazy. (laughs) (laughs) Just look at what, look at what had to be done. Um, But yeah, it's, uh, even though I know the the biggest complaint about it is some people, you know, it's got kind of the, uh, kind of the sequel curse of like, okay, well, where's the rest of it? And I know uh, part three has been delayed, but um, even though it may not like be the most perfect um, standalone, um, it was a breathtaking theatrical experience. And when I was teaching, all my kids were super duper into uh, Spider-Verse. So I think it could uh, get some good appeal. I'd be very curious to see it. It's always, it's always nice and refreshing when you see an animated movie get a Best Picture nomination, too. Yes, man. And you know it's going to be deserving. And like you said, the level of work put into that particular film was insane to the point that they're still trying to, you know, like they had to delay it heavily because it's a part one of two. Mm-hmm. And part two is supposed to come out next year. They still have so much work to be done to finish that. And you can tell just by seeing this one, the different <laughs> levels of animation all just going at the same time. I think it was a real cinematic achievement. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. So I would, I would love to see that. And that would, I mean, I've definitely still got um, probably over half of these to see, but uh, if we could stick to that and, uh, not put anything. I don't know if Jared Leto has put out a movie this year. The Haunted Mansion. The Haunted oh. Mansion. <laughs> and, you, and you know what? With all this, with all this weird stuff that's happened, you know, we can blame you know COVID strikes everything. We can get Morbius a Best Picture nomination this year. We can get Morbius in there. We can convince them. We can. <laughs> we don't talk about Leto. Oh, oh. But unfortunately, I've been seeing and hearing him so much lately because of this 30 seconds to Mars reunion or whatever, whatever tour they're doing where he had to climb up a skyscraper to announce it. God. Oh. Asshole. God. God. I but, know. I, I was like, when's the last time I saw him? That was the last time when he was scaling things. I'm like, bro, you couldn't be Morbius. Don't try to be Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> something, something I'm curious to ask you about, and I don't know if you've noticed it too, but you brought up the color purple and the musical adaptation that they're going to be doing for it. And it looks great. It looks exciting. A lot of the songs sound really good from what I saw. In, I've only seen the original teaser trailer for it, but I saw an article after the latest trailer was released and people were pointing out that between that and the mean girls teaser. And I guess there were some, there could be some other examples, but they said mu- musicals are not, necessarily being promoted as musicals so heavily 
and almost like they're like they know that there's a stigma they know that they're that it will immediately turn off a lot of people who just aren't into it and won't and won't want to give it a chance but do you think that that's a proper way to go about it like tricking people to come see something that they might not like (laughs) (laughs) wow that is such a good question because i absolutely agree that's what they're doing i felt like with the uh with the color purple trailer i saw the i saw the full trailer in theaters i think when i was seeing the holdovers and i was like are y'all gonna show them singing like everyone's gonna be duped into thinking that this is like just a straightforward remake of the spielberg movie yeah and um i i don't know i i i've become such a big fan of musicals in the, in the last three years um so I, I think it's I think when you're doing that, you're alienating the people who like you made it for originally. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you're making it, you know, you make movie musicals for the, the the musical lovers. But then you're like, oh, so, you know, maybe, maybe someone maybe someone hums a tune. Maybe someone whistles every now and then. It's like, no, you should you should broadcast it. I remember um, I remember seeing the La La Land trailer. Yeah. And uh, until it like until it dropped with the music, I was like, oh, another film in L.A. But then when it's like, oh, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone are going to sing, then it hooked me. So I think they should absolutely. Yeah. Show us why you're making another version of this and and not just uh, not just try to try to bury the lead, you know. Right. Any particular actors that you think right now could be the front runners to win? Killers of the Flower Moon has been one that people have been calling for from the start. Yeah, I mean it's it is it is that kind of Oscar bait movie that to me it didn't really feel like it. It was such a such a bold exploration into a uh, a world that you know has been whitewashed out. I feel like you could probably say the same thing for Rustin. And on that, I totally agree. Uh, Coleman, I, th- I thought he should have got something for his Zola supporting performance. Yes. He played just an insane pimp. <laughs> <laughs> He's been putting in such consistent work. I would love to see him recognized this year. Um, Man, if I had to call the big four right now for the front runners, I'm going to go Lily Gladstone. Okay. And I think they did a really good job in deciding to push her into uh into best actress because i heard she holds her own with dicaprio and de niro and killers of the flower moon god yes she is so such a strong presence in that film and especially in the last god the last 30 minutes she just wrecks your heart uh best actor i was thinking bradley cooper right now for maestro um i think this is uh there's there's just a strong narrative behind him Best Supporting Actor is what I'm looking forward to the most. This is such a fun year for supporting performances. Um, I'm throwing all of my heart behind Ryan Gosling getting Ken. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just Ken. (laughs) For that alone. Yes. Uh, Yeah. Right now, while we're in precursor season, the narrative has been um, Robert Downey Jr. and Oppenheimer playing a really against type serious kind of character role and kind of losing his signature smarminess uh versus what i thought was you know one of the 
just one of the funniest bits of Barbie with Ryan Gosling. So I think if they're both nominated and either of them win, that's a it's just a huge win for film. That has been a really big kind of PR push lately on down yeah. with that variety piece that they wrote on him. Yeah. Yeah, man. And it's it, it, once again, it's Barbie versus Oppenheimer. Uh, I definitely think Killian will get in the best actor nominee, uh, a best actor nomination. He's in a biopic by a super well-respected director as well, but I don't know. Killian's performance, I think, was so great because it's so understated. Yeah, I've seen him scream at the top of his lungs at Wampiki Blinders for six years, but he barely raised his voice here, and he so deserves it. And then for supporting actress, right now it's between, it seems like between two powerhouses. Um, Danielle Brooks in The Color Purple is getting massive buzz. But uh, if anyone's seen The Holdovers, Divine Joy Randolph, uh, another turn where you're laughing out loud and then just sobbing over her character. Um, and she's been picking up, uh, she picked up Best Supporting Actress at the National Board of Review. So, I feel really good about her chances. And she's somebody that's so talented and so funny. Like if you've, if anybody that's listening, if you've seen only murders in the building, she's a scene stealer on there as the detective in the first season, taking um, over there and, you know, get some repeat appearances later on. But what a wonderful actor. I'm so happy. I'm so happy that she got to deliver that kind of performance in that movie under that particular director. Man, she just absolutely just, she knocked my socks off. And um, even though it is more of a comedic performance, I would be so disappointed if Paul Giamatti and his lazy eye did not get into Best Actor. Uh, <laughs> I think it's his best performance in years. Not that he's had a, any decline, but it's just how good it is. Look, can't fault him for the Rhino and Amazing Spider-Man too. He, he was just doing what he was told. Oh my God. <laughs> Look, you unearthed that. I did. I did. Deep so cut. deep. <laughs> deep cut. Oh, but look, hey, we not only talk movies when we do at the movies with Mr. B, but a, a highlight whenever we talk to you, Travis, and Brad, when we have Brad on, is Drake. Drizzy Drake music. And the last time we had you around, it was, uh, I think, right, it was right around the, yeah, when we did our top five rap songs and rap artists the big hip-hop celebration and yeah. drake's for all the dogs album was supposed to drop i think the day after we recorded <sighs> we hyped it up it did not come i don't think it i don't think it appeared for another month on that one <laughs> <laughs> probably so yeah and it was a long ass album it was another long ass drake album that i think when we talked about it we kind of agreed it was it was mid if it was mid to trash where did you go on that on the initial yeah. release. Yeah. Like before this, um, God, I can't even think of the name. Honestly, never mind. That was my least favorite of his, but I admired that he was doing something different. Right. I admired that he was trying to replicate, I guess, maybe the success of like Passion Fruit. He did a whole album of Passion Fruit songs, similar, you know, club songs. And when Brad and I, uh, we saw him, um, in DC this summer. And when that, when that part of the show came on, it was, was kind of like he was introducing us into a club. 
when he was playing those songs like uh, Sticky, Passion Fruit, and uh, Massive. Um, so he was trying something. And I don't want to ding him for that. I can absolutely ding him for uh, his disappointing Fat D. Uh, because, <laughs> good Lord, it was... I, I think I'm at the point now with Drake where I would just be happy with a, a bouncy hook. You're right. I would just be happy with a nice for what level, you know, like chorus that I can at least blast. Um, I got none of that. This album was so bloated. Um, the most memorable part of it was Sexy Red saying, let that coochie breathe. <laughs> that's the first song that i've liked sexy red for that's the first thing i like i saw i was like like, oh okay this works this works yeah i i wasn't i wasn't mad at it because i I was like you know it's really not trying to be anything more than like a strip club song Mm -hmm. um but yeah man it was uh with some exceptions i liked 8 a.m in charlotte i liked the j cole collab um (laughs) the yeet song i think just through tiktok uh, you know, uh, kind of, I got used to it. Um, but yeah, just nothing, nothing stood out to me at all. And it was wildly disappointing to me. Like when the track list was announced, I think like, a, I think it was about a day before and I saw it starts first song on there, Virginia beach. I was like, Whoa, oh, Dude. Yo, here we go. <laughs> this is going to be this is my hometown, my homeland. This will be great. Yeah. This is going to speak to me. I saw we got it. We had a 21 Savage collab on there. I saw the J. Cole collab was going to be on there. I was like, yes. I was like, Let's yes. This is going to yeah. be great. I was like, it's a lot of damn songs, but I think it'll be good. Nah, nah. I was, I was wildly disappointed. I think Amen, Amen was one that I liked on there. That was one that I could get down yeah. that made a playlist. But outside of that, like the first person shooter with J. Cole honestly really disappointed me like i just couldn't i couldn't get down with it too much really the only songs on that like slime you out was one that it took me a little bit to get down with Mm. just because one i was very confused i'm old now travis we're old we're getting old and i didn't understand (laughs) i was like what i was like what is this slang slime you out i was like oh my god i've completely missed this one I know it sounds gross. It does. I was like, it, and the 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 cover for the single was gross. Like I didn't know what to do, but you know I liked that, and I liked eight a.m. in Charlotte. Eight a.m. in Charlotte was great for me, but everything else it just felt so trash. It was the sexy red song didn't hit me until they started getting more radio play. Once that hit radio play, I was like, okay, I can. I was like, I like this. I like the transition in there. But yeah. we get this. He's going to take a break and he's going on break after his tour, deal with health stuff, whatever. And then, and it's, it's our, we get an extended play. We get six more songs. He throws six more songs on a deluxe album version of this. And, <laughs> and God damn it, Travis, the six extra songs were better than the entire original album. Than the entire, I'm looking here. 23 songs dude right i mean i i did not get a chance to listen to it uh as soon as it came out and um met up with brad and he was like have you listened to it yet 
I was like, no. And I was, I don't know. I, after Honestly Nevermind and after For All the Dogs came out, I wasn't even, I was like, okay, I'll get around to it. But Brad was like, bro, you gotta listen to this. And he came with the bars and he came with the hooks. Fuck my ex. Fuck my ex. Right. <laughs> and that's what he's hitting it with, like, Four of the six songs made playlists for me. That's a that's a that's a sign of a great album for me. You got to make yeah. one of my playlists. If you make my hype rap playlist, boom, that's been good stuff that came off of there. Evil yeah. Ways. He had another collab with J Cole. It's literally like he heard the criticism. He yes. was going on break, heard the criticism on everything. It was like you know what? I can't go out like this. Like he said, and like he said, I think he said it on a. It might have been on the shoe fits or stories about my brother. Where he's like, you know, I know I was supposed to be gone, but, you know, I had to come back and do it. This is the, you know, the, the, the storm before the calm. And I was like, that's perfect. I was like, bet you should have called it that. Called it the storm before the calm. That's storm before the calm. Right. Oh, dude. Everything perfect. about perfect. it. The shoe, the shoe fits, I think, is one of my favorite Drake songs already. Like, yeah. I listen to it over and over. And the stories that he's telling on each bar, it's fucking great. Fucking great. And I was like, where has this been? Like, why yeah. did it take this much shit to get you? And now I'm back in his pocket, Travis. Now yeah, he, he's got it's this toxic motherfucker's got me right back in where he needed to have me. He's got me gripped by the neck. Fucking future ass. Got me right back because I'm going to be right back for the next album. I'll be ready for him. I'm going to hate too, it. Man. Yeah. And if he had honestly, because he had put out. He's put out so much, uh, which reading between the lines is he's put out so much mid. Um, <laughs> ever since, oh, I hate to say it, but really ever since Scorpion, which was so bloated, it's yeah. just been like so much of it has been such a slog. The Twenty One collab that was that was okay. There are some songs there that I that I've played to death. Spin Spin about you, especially. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I swear, man, if he had done absolutely nothing, released none of these 23 songs, none of which really deserve to exist. And <laughs> he had just put out this six track EP that I think is his best work since if you're reading, if you're reading this now, it's too late. We right. would have called it a comeback. We'd be good. Yeah. But I will take what we got for now and I will hope that he sees the overwhelming response that this got in comparison to this bloated shitty album that he just put out. This is a hundred percent. You're right. You're right. And you know what? We're going to transition here because not only do we do movies, not only do we do Drake, but we do TV too. We do everything on at the movies with Mr. B and we have to talk because I've, I've, I want to educate people on this person. If they don't know, because I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of people like I'm sure there are a lot of people our age who have no idea who the hell Norman Lear is or was. And it's it's a shame if you don't. But we're talking about Drake, you know, putting out duds and duds. This is a guy who in decades on television, decades producing television shows, never threw a dud out there. Like it was crazy what Norman Lear did as a show creator. I mean, just examples of some of the shows I had. And I, we won't even do the fanfare for it or anything, but my top five shows on Norman Lear, right? Number five is One Day at a Time. 
and one day at a time is a show that was really great and groundbreaking at the time that it came out valerie bertinelli and everything and then oh boy like in his 90s redid the show remade it for netflix and it became a hit again on netflix in a completely different vibe focusing on a puerto rican family number four another show he created the jeffersons right you gotta love the jeffersons everybody knows the theme song everybody's seen you moving on up to the side number three good times he created good times too which good times is also somewhat of a spinoff of my number one show number two show sanford and son which Ooh. i still think has the best theme song of all time i think sanford and son love that show and number one was all in the family which i think is one of the most influential television shows of all time spawned five direct spinoffs with two of the spinoffs each having a spinoff like that's like that's insane <laughs> that's, like that's crazy that's crazy and what norman lear did and why we're talking about him is because he passed away this past week at the age of 101 good, too young. good long life but yes still too young especially <laughs> when homeboy was still producing things he was still putting things together on ABC. He was partnering with Jimmy Kimmel. And like every year was a really cool thing they would do called live in front of a studio audience. And they would recreate episodes, iconic episodes from his old shows with current actors. And they wouldn't change the script at all. And it was proof. Like they're doing like his shows were in the seventies, like, you know, early seventies and everything. And they're doing like early seventies episodes of all in the family not changing a word of the script, not changing a detail of the script, just allowing it to flow and showing how ahead of his time he was, how so many of the things that he was tackling in terms of politics, in terms of civil rights, all of these things, human rights in general, that still are as current today as they were then and are still as prevalent then and hit you the same way. And the funny of it is still fucking hilarious. And I'll watch old reruns of All in the Family, and I'm just like thinking, like this is crazy that they were tackling subjects like uh, there was one episode, the main character Archie Bunker, bigot, ignorant, and he was the face of a lot of people of that time. He's the face of a lot of you know still older people today that you know as time goes by. I think your ignorance grows. I think I think I think the I think the not necessarily bigotry. But I think that our prejudices grow as we get older and get stuck in times. And Archie was a symbol of that, a symbol to the point like the show was so iconic. They put the chair that he would sit in in every episode in the Smithsonian. It's one of the biggest highlights in the Smithsonian. Wild. And these topics that they're going on, like he's saying just the wildest shit about black people. (laughs) (laughs) Then he winds up like he's he's got to go through all this and then sammy davis jr pops up everything he was like oh shit this this he was like i didn't i didn't know i was talking about like something like this they take a picture together sammy davis jr kisses him it was a huge (laughs) moment on any of these shows and he's dealing with george jefferson at the jefferson sanford and son is saying such out-of-pocket shit but sit that's still like (laughs) like like still matters to this day and i just think what he did for people of color what he did for politics and agendas that needed to be addressed and 
led to so much change. I think he is not only just a pioneer of television, but a incredible display of what people should do with that, uh, with that microphone, with that spotlight, with that kind of power that he created and for himself and just continued to utilize. So I wanted to salute him on this show as, you know, some, as a 28 year old, who's a massive fan of these shows that were way before my time, but I still are just iconic to me and sit with me and resonate in things that I do. And that's, you know, I just wanted to salute Norman Lear at his passing and, you know, give him his roses there. Absolutely, man. What a, what an absolute legend that is. I feel like that's just something that'll never be replicated. That level of success. No. No, it's it's wild, and they don't even make. It's hard to make shows like that nowadays. It's hard to make, especially back then when it was like three networks. Like, of course you're gonna hit. <laughs> I saw so, him from a distance when I was oh. in L.A. a couple of years ago. No way. And yeah, because they were doing a. What were they doing? I think they were doing a. It was one of those you know stars on the Walk of Fame memorials for somebody. They were giving somebody a star on the Walk of Fame, and he was there to speak on it. And I was like, oh, damn, that's cool. And, like, I could almost feel – you, like, you could see him from a distance, and you're across the street. It's in front of the Jimmy Kimmel Theater, and it's like – I was like, damn, this dude – like, he has a vibe. He has an aura. Like, that is somebody like that is somebody of respect and everything. And then I saw, like, an ambulance, like, fly past us, like, a few minutes later. I was like, oh, damn, I hope that wasn't Norman Lear. Oh, no, not Norman. <laughs> it wasn't. It was It was somebody from the Jeffersons. It was an actress from the Jeffersons. She fainted. It was a very hot day. I, had, it was way too hot to have all these old people out there saluting each other. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Oh. But, yes, rest in peace to Norman Lear. Rest in peace as a symbol of television. And now, Travis, I'm going to turn it over to you with a very dramatic top five here this is a top five we teased top five movies of the year according to travis so far we're not we're not done with the year but we're getting there and we are going to launch it with our dramatic top five imaging five four three two one this is the three two threes top five Oh shit, here we go again. Yes, the three, two, threes, top five. Dude, uh, this budget has gone up since I've been on this show. Right? Look at the <laughs> curtain killing the, it. The curtains behind our screens here, like it, like the budget is up. Like we're oh. up, we're on the way up. We're on YouTube, <laughs> the three, two, three network. You gotta check us out. If you're listening to us, you're just not doing yourself justice. I'm like, I mean. Fucking Travis is over there. I, I called him Hunka Hunka Burning Byron earlier. He's he's, he's <laughs> hunking out here. Oh, Travis. Deal, baby. <laughs> oh, this top five here. I'm really excited to hear the official top five movies of the year according to you. I think I know I think I know number one. I think I can tell, but still curious to hear all about him. What do you got for us? Yeah, man. I I I chalk it up. Because, man, I was watching so many current movies when the pandemic was going on because everything was going on streaming. Um, but I have seen, just to show people 
that I really need to do a lot more. I have seen 17 films in 2023 this year. Okay. Uh, by this point, I usually have seen a lot more. Um, I would like to give a quick honorable mention, rather a dishonorable mention to the worst movie that I paid for this year. Ooh. <laughs> Curious. I was one of probably seven people that saw it. Um, not a flex. Uh, the director was on one of my podcasts and I was like, oh, he's so passionate about comedy. He directed Borat. He's directed a lot of episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, but you cannot put lipstick on a penis read. I'm talking about Dick's the Musical. Oh, was it actually bad? I used the wrong sound. Uh. There we go. <laughs> I love that. Uh. Ed's, Ed's read via Rick Ross. <laughs> uh. Um, man, it, it it was pitched to me on the podcast like this outrageous, you know, like um, like kind of a child of John Waters films kind of thing, and I, I like John Waters films, so I'm like, okay, let, I want to get offended. Let's get nasty. And it was just, and it's an original musical, man. Mm -hmm. It is a completely original musical. It is so, so desperately unfunny. The only thing I, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one of the main jokes. And if, if you all would like to see it based off of this, please feel free. <laughs> After this review. Somewhat, <laughs> yeah. It is somewhat of a plot point that Megan Mullally does not have a vagina. So, if you are interested in that, if you're interested in seeing really grotesque puppets, hey, this is the film for you, but uh, I hated it. <laughs> I, we saw the trailer for it right before uh, Bottoms. It came on before we saw the movie Bottoms. Yeah. And I saw the trailer for Dicks. I had never heard of it going into seeing the trailer. I was like, whoa, this is fucking bizarre. Like, I don't know if this is going to work. <laughs> like, this is that bizarre. <laughs> It sure did not. But let's get to the more positive side of things. And I've got many more movies to go, as I probably alluded to earlier. But from my little pool, here was is my top five. Number five, probably the most uh, non-awards friendly movie of the bunch. But it touched my little theater kid heart. Theater camp. Oh, my God, this came out on uh, Hulu a month or two ago, I believe. And uh, while I never went to a theater camp, I am certainly was and still am a theater kid. And the self-seriousness of theater people uh, is just <laughs> comedic gold. In uh, the best way, it reminded me of a Christopher Guest movie. I wish they had stuck with the mockumentary part of it a little more, um, but just so many so many laughs and uh, a hot streak uh to uh iowa debris who's just had one of the best show business years hell of uh, a year i will watch anything with her at this point between like that bottoms the bear and yeah. uh, teenage mutant ninja turtles she's great in that yeah she's just yeah and she's she's got a bit part but she, she knocks it out of the park uh, number four, the most recent watch, and that's going to be Todd Haynes' May December. Man, 
I watched this with my fiance, and it is definitely something. I think it's actually a pretty smart play to uh, uh, release it right through Netflix, not only to get it to uh, more households, uh, but it's a it's a movie that you want to see with someone because it's like oh, she said that oh, he's not doing that. It's just one of those uh, one of those gasp movies I call them, where it's like oh, you clutch your pearls, uh, kind of you know loosely based on the Mary Kay Luternow um, affair that she had with a seventh grader. And uh, Natalie Portman plays an actress who is uh, about to uh, about to portray her. Um, and now the seventh graders all grown up and they've got kids on their own. And it's just, uh, it raises a lot of ethical questions. Uh, it's a great script, and uh, it's just it's just good old-fashioned drama. I love movies like this. This is another one where it's on the bubble of Best Picture, and I would not be upset if it was nominated. Love it. Love it. Isn't Julianne Number... Moore? It's Julianne Moore. That's yes, Julianne her. Moore. Um, Charles Melton. Lydia knew him from, I guess he was Reggie on the Riverdale show. Okay. I was never into that, but damn it, he's handsome. Uh, when he took off his shirt for the role, uh, for the movie, um, I was like, oh, wow, it's not often that I see a lot of people with my body type, like, on screen. That's really nice, and he's the lead. And then I read on IMDb that he gained 40 pounds for the role, and I was like, okay. Okay, okay. yeah, that's what, that's, what, yeah, that's what it is. 40 pounds to look normal. Uh, number three, Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, not a lot of surprise here. Um I like Lily Gladstone's character a lot. I think if I had to, if I had a bone to pick, I think she's getting a lot of awards attention, and it comes back to that thing I know you and I have talked about, where if people are if people of color are nominated, so much of their performance is suffering. Right. Um, I think, yeah, she it's a suffer heavy performance, uh, but when you see her outside of that she completely holds her own against a veteran and is a, such a magnetic force uh three and a half hours in the theater seriously have never gone by so fast um could it have maybe lost a half hour probably but i was so invested that i didn't care and it's uh all the more important that it really did happen and encourages people to go look up what went on back in those days it's crazy that martin scorsese is just pumping films out like this like yeah. like epics at his age like he's in his 80s now and like i mean you got you got a lot of directors like just knocking them out like this like him ridley scott ridley scott i'm worried about man is up there and he's just pumping <laughs> out movies and then clint eastwood's got a huge movie coming out i think next year in juror number two everything out here directing oh still God. 90s but good for Scorsese, because this is this is up there for Scorsese. Where, how, like, what kind of does it feel like its own thing, or does it feel kind of like, does it have like a Goodfellas feel, a Departed feel? It is, yeah, it is. It, it, it definitely, it has his his fingerprints on it, but um, especially in that when. Uh, it's a montage of all the all the crime that's going on against these poor Native Americans. 
Um, but I think if you are completely unaware of his work, you can still go into this and want to dive straight into other stuff like Goodfellas, The Departed, Taxi Driver, all that good stuff. Yep. Highly recommended. Perfect. Number two. <sighs> Number two, we got Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. The very first Spider-Verse uh, I saw in theaters, I was exhausted. Um, I fell straight asleep in it, uh, <laughs> which I, is, it, it's got to be some kind of achievement for me to do that. But um, not the movie's fault, my fault. I saw it with our buddy Aaron a couple of years ago, and I was like, oh, this is what I missed. Uh, Mind-blowing animation. And uh, here, it, it uh, to me, it... It may not be as good as Into the Spider-Verse, but it comes pretty damn close. I think Spider-Verse is pretty much a perfect film, and this nears perfection. It is so close to overflowing, and at times maybe it does, but like, like we were talking about earlier, I just, I feel like there's a lot of plot going on. If you wanted to watch this on mute, I feel like you would still have the time of your life. That's what I, I fully agree on that. Like that was the first one weirdly did not like capture me like everybody else. Like I still enjoyed it and I thought it was good, but I didn't, I didn't think it was, you know, I, I didn't have it as a top movie for myself. I got you. This one, seeing it in theaters, even with the weird audio distortion, that was a, that was a whole issue amongst a lot of theaters in the country <laughs> with this. It was like, it was mind blowing to me. Like I had not seen anything like this in animation or brought to film like this. And not even just as like a Spider-Man nerd fan and everything with like a lot of the, it pandered a lot to me. But I thought overall the story was incredible. The music was incredible. The the voice, the vocal performances were fantastic. And it, oh, it, was, it was something that continued to make me wish that there was an Oscar, some type of an award at the Oscars that recognized uh, voiceover performances. Because I thought we had fantastic ones this year with like Haley Steinfeld in that. Uh, I thought that Oscar Isaac was fantastic in Spider-Verse as well. Bradley Cooper, I think, could win for Guardians and his vocal performance in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I thought it was an incredible performance. And it's something sure. I would love to see appear in the oscars sometime to give more animation love that's great man yeah i totally agree with that i think stunts and voiceover work is super crucial the the closest the only two that come to mind really that have gotten in the buzz uh eddie murphy was nominated for a bafta for donkey yes uh in 2001 which maybe is my favorite award nomination of all time <laughs> <laughs> and uh scarlett johansson got really close for consideration for her she got really close when she was riding the her bubble yeah but um yeah i totally agree with you all right the number one film if you're if you're if you're my friend if you're in my bubble i've probably been begging everyone i know to see it but it's Alexander Payne's The Holdovers. Yeah. God. You know, it, it's so reductive to say something like they don't make them like this anymore. But like, 
mid-budget adult independent dramedies are not as popular as they once were. And uh, I think it came out, I think it could have even come out a little later because uh, it is such a, it's such a perfect holiday film. Um, but it's really a, a three-hander with Divine Joy Randolph. Um, forgive me, I do not know the young actor's name. Alexander Payne literally got him like, as they were about to start shooting, they finally picked a guy, total newbie, knocks it out of the park. Um, but Paul Giamatti is equal parts hysterical. <laughs> He's got a lazy eye. I don't know how they did it. I don't know how they did it with the prosthetics, but he's looking this way, the other eye is this way, and he just mines it for everything it's worth. It is uh, such a sweet movie about family and, uh, you know, what you can make for your own family when your other family fails you. Uh, it's just a warm hug of a movie. I love that. That's a great review. A warm hug of a movie. That's, a that's, and I think that's something that we've talked about before that we want more of that. That's nice. It's nice to see instead of like the despair kind of suffer movies, despair, <laughs> right? Like the, that's, that's what you want. And Alexander Payne for those that maybe haven't seen his movies or know exactly who he is by name. Like he has put out an incredible lineup of films since he did citizen Ruth in 96, but I think he like really blew up with election election was a Reese Witherspoon, uh, film about like high school politics <laughs> and affairs. It was a hilarious groundbreaking movie. Then he did about Schmidt with Jack Nicholson sideways with Paul Giamatti, which fantastic film that really took a, it, it caused controversy in the wine realm, in the <laughs> realm of alcoholics where it like, it caused Merlot to take a huge hit just because of one line of Paul Giamatti screaming. I'm not drinking any fucking Merlot. His impact read. Impact is what Alexander Payne does. The Descendants might have been my favorite of his with George Clooney and Shailene Woodley in 2011. Nebraska, which was a very funny black and white uh, film about father and son, but old father, dysfunctional son. Downsizing, which I haven't seen. I, that might be the most mixed one, I think, with Matt Damon. Probably so. Yeah, but... Glad to see that he's doing this with the holdovers and giving like it. It gives me kind of like Dead Poets Society vibes when I've seen like the trailer a little bit, a little yep. bit, I guess. I'd say a little more cynical, but yeah, very similar vibes. And the the just the idea of the lazy eye on Paul Giamatti though. It's just <laughs> the, the the links that we go to to keep Forrest Whitaker out of film. Oh God, that's so funny. <laughs> but why i can see him killing it too oh. that's it man hey before we go before we go do you have we usually always end with a review you did like five reviews for us right there do you have <laughs> do you have anything like super recent that you'd like to review for us real quick yes man i would love to it's just one letter uh this was a huge gaping hole in my uh my film uh watching I feel like I should have seen this probably about 10 years ago because I feel like I've seen a version of it. It's from 1931. It is M. 
And uh, it's a it's it's a Fritz Lang movie. Of course, he's uh, most well known for this and Metropolis. And in both cases, it feels like you're witnessing the birth of a genre, Metropolis with sci-fi. This with uh, I, I had a buddy recommend it to me, and I was like, yes, I need to see that. It's on the Criterion Channel streaming, um, and I believe maybe on Max as well. If you don't have Criterion. Um, and he said it really reminds him of a David Fincher film. And especially after just seeing uh, The Killer um, and seeing M so quickly after it, it is, I mean, it, it is the blueprint for a police procedural. Uh, so exciting to see these things. There's lots of language that you can't believe they got away with in the 1930s. <laughs> it was pre-code. It was in Europe. Um, Hitler banned this. So that should automatically make you want to see it. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just, yeah, it, it was totally, just totally something that I felt I should have seen for years. And I feel more complete now that I've seen it. I love it. I love it. I got to check this out. I think I have Criterion Channel, but I'll also check Max. Max has been, Max, if you don't have Max, it's a wonderful <laughs> gateway to so many classic films using that Absolutely. TCM collection that they have there. So thank you for yeah. that, Travis. And look, I, I usually always follow the review. He'll do a movie review. I follow it up with a TV review and like I'm catching up on it. I just caught up on it today, but I love recommending this show. I love putting people on it. Fargo. It's an FX production. You can find it on Hulu. It is in season five. It's just came back after some years anthology show so you don't have to watch the previous seasons to you know understand what's happening here it's a fantastic dark funny as fuck show but also <laughs> like the dramatic performances on it are incredible juno temple who played keely on ted lasso is the uh lead on this show with her minnesota accent but you can't really tell what she's up to and then you got uh lamorne morris who is winston winnie the bish on new girl <laughs> John Ham, John's Ham's actually make an appearance on this show. He gets up out of his pool. He's got nipple piercings. Fantastic, evil as shit performance on this show. Where not even raising his voice. Like he's just commandingly dark. And it's a fantastic, scary season, honestly. And I don't even want to talk about the plot. Just go watch it. It's fantastic. You'll love it. And then you'll want to go back and explore the previous seasons doesn't ever miss show does not ever miss but i'm sold I, go watch it <laughs> <laughs> and you know what uh -oh. while you're at it go watch some norman lear shows like this one samford and son you'll thank me later for it and you'll thank you can thank norman lear at any point travis always wonderful to talk to you buddy Thanks for having me on, man. This was a blast as always. Oh, yes. And we got to get you a show so we can promote that show and just get you on there. We got to get the Travis Byron podcast. If we can do College Shame Day, we can do an Oscar season show. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Hey, go check out the 323 Network on YouTube. Subscribe to it. Like us, rate us, review us wherever you're at. In the meantime, folks, we'll talk to you later. Stay safe. 